Aloha, I'm Sol, your host. The holiday season is packed with many unhealthy, unpleasant traditions that can spoil our sense of well-being on many levels. For example, overeating, overdoing, overspending. Boy, those are some common actions during the holidays, eh? What else happens for you during the holidays? Do you all of a sudden find yourself feeling overwhelmed? Maybe you feel more alone than ever before because most of your social circles gets caught up in the holiday cyclone. Are the holidays less than a happy time for you? If so, it's time to add more happiness by joining us in this series. We'll connect weekly starting the last week of November through the second week of February. Every week we have not only a lecture, but a live class. Each class provides time to laugh, vent some frustrations, and to offer support to other people in class. I invite you to join us to navigate the holiday season with a lot more confidence. To register for the series, click the links at the bottom of the page. Follow the registration instructions to join us for our weekly, live, lively conference call classroom. Get ready for some wonderful laughs, some ahas, all from the comfort of your phone. I look forward to meeting you and to being of service. And now, time for class. On week four, we're going to get into how we can cope with a blizzard of communications, connections. How do we keep up in the middle of the holidays? It's interesting to think about how we have increased the number of ways we communicate with each other with that increase in how many different ways we can communicate with ourselves and with other people, have we gotten any better at communicating? <laughs> For all practical purposes, a hundred years ago, about the only way you communicated with each other is either directly in person, maybe a letter, you might get a telegraph. That was about it. Today, oh my gosh, how many different ways right now can you add up for a person to connect with you? How many different phone numbers do you have? Email addresses do you have? How many different ways do you text? How many different ways can you be literally buried in communications? This week, I'm going to invite you to do something that might be initially a little bit crazy. However, you're going to find it will bring you some peace of mind, not only during the holidays, but for the rest of the year. How do we keep in touch with each other and stay sane at the same time? The first item we're gonna look at is clear communication skills. Clear communication skills. Now that sounds like it's a pretty common sense thing to do. One of the areas of concern about clear communication skills especially for those people who you think know you really well. It might be your partner, it could be your kids, it could be a, a coworker or your boss, or somebody who you, quote, assume, <laughs> oh yeah, assume. You might assume they know what you're talking about when you talk to them. And nine out of 10, that may be true. That may be absolutely true. They may have a pretty good idea of what you're talking about. However, think about this. Aren't they under the same blizzard you are? 
when it comes to communications at this time of year. So with clear communication skills, it's easy to assume that those that we love the most, that we care for the most, that they'll understand what we're talking about, or they'll understand that when you say something like, I'll meet you at the usual place, or short code words, you may think they are understanding you. That's where we're going to first begin to look at erasing assumptions. <laughs> I've gotten into a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble, because one of the things that I'll do is I'll just assume someone will understand that when I tell them I'll meet them for lunch at our usual place, that they will go to our usual place. What happens if I have a different usual place in mind? <laughs> for those that we really love the most this time of year, let's erase the assumption thing and be gentle about it. That's my call to action for this particular week is be gentle and compassionate as you begin to communicate more clearly. Part of that is boundary setting. And by boundary setting, you can absolutely erase expectations. As you've heard in many of my classes before on Seoul University, expectations are wicked wild things. Wicked, wicked wild things. You don't want expectations. Expectations are 99.999999% leading to pain and suffering. Now keep in mind, it's it really important to understand that there is a difference between an expectation and an agreement. So in this blizzard, in this flurry of connections and communications, I really must ask you to ponder this notion that there's a difference between an expectation and an agreement. Think about this. An expectation is generally something that goes unvoiced. It's assumed. You might expect someone to show up on time or be at a certain place at a certain time, or especially during the holidays, you might expect them to bring something or you might expect them to be late. It's an unvoiced awareness of something. So an expectation is one of those things that while it probably is quite true, I'm not arguing that, I'm not arguing that, an expectation is often words unsaid, whereas an agreement is something that you voiced. If I call you up and I say, hey, let's get together for lunch. And you're like, great, yeah, when should we get together for lunch? And I say, how's tomorrow look for you? Can we get together for lunch tomorrow? And you'll say, sure, let's get together for lunch tomorrow. I say, where do you want to go? Why don't we go to our usual place? All right, I'll meet you at our usual place, what, around noon? And they're like, yeah, let's just meet for lunch at our usual place around noon. Great, bye. I just set myself up for a whole bunch of problems, unless I really know you well. And it's absolutely crystal clear what our usual place is. I've made a lot of assumptions and I've made a lot of expectations. So I'm gonna redo that same phone call in a way that it will be abundantly clear who, what, when, where, how, and why. That's our magic formula for coping with the flurry of communications and connections. The old reporters had who, what, 
when, where, how, and why. One of the most effective things that I've ever witnessed some of my teachers doing is they have something to write with. The second they start a phone call, the second they start a conversation with someone, I watch them write down who, what, when, where, how, and why. And as they're talking with someone, they're making notes, they're filling in the blanks of who, what, when, where, how, and why. And when they're done with the conversation, they'll repeat it back in a very kind and gentle way, not like some sort of trial attorney that's just beginning to put up a summation. They'll be very gentle about it. So in that same phone call about connecting with you for lunch, I'll call you up and say, hey, why don't we get together for lunch? And you'll say, that's great. When? What about tomorrow at, say, noon? Does that work for you? And you'll say, yeah, okay, great. Noon works for me. Fabulous. There's the when. The where. Where should we meet? How about if we go to our usual spot? Okay, just so that I'm clear on what our usual spot is, because we go to a few places. What are you hungry for? What's the place? Why don't we go to that Thai place on the corner of 28th and 3rd? Ah, okay, yeah, that sounds good. I'll meet you at uh, the 28th and 3rd, the Thai place, tomorrow for lunch around noon. If it's looking like we're going to have bad weather, let's make sure we give ourselves a little weevil waffle time, right? So that if, let's just say, if I get there at noon and you're not there by, say, 12.30 or a quarter to one because of bad weather, don't worry about it. Don't bother coming if it's bad weather and I just know you're not going to come. Maybe you can give me a call. What was different about the first example, about that generic, hi, let's get together for lunch. Yeah, that's great. Sounds good. Meet you at the usual spot. And what I just did. If you notice the who, what, when, where, how, and why. When I wrap up a conversation with someone, especially someone whom I know to be a very busy person and they're most likely multitasking <laughs> when we're talking. Now, <clears throat> I know you're not multitasking right now and you're paying 100% laser focus on this show, right? Sure you are. <laughs> yeah. If I think somebody's been multitasking or I know that they're not being 100% attentive to our conversation, I might say something, oh my gosh, you know what? I just had a brain lapse. When did we say we were going to get together and where and at what time? And I'll have the person repeat back what it is that we just talked about. And if that jives with what I remember, then I know that we have an agreement to meet at a certain place at a certain time. And that agreement has a condition on it that if it's bad weather or traffic or whatever, we scope it out. We give ourselves a little bit of leeway so that one person isn't waiting forever and ever. And while I realize in today's world, it's so easy to just pick up your mobile phone and call someone and say, hey, sorry, bad traffic or bad weather, or you may not always have cell phone service. Here's a little tip that I use constantly when I travel, especially when I'm traveling with other people, and I'm traveling with other people in a city that's not my home city. One of the things that I do to make sure that my communications are clear, especially about connections, I'll do something along the lines of say, okay, I tell you what, everybody's heading off for the day. Why don't we plan to meet back here in the same spot? Those who get back here by 5.30, we'll all go out to dinner together. 
we'll decide where we want to go. And if you're not here by about a quarter to six, don't worry about it. Enjoy yourself. It's just that we aren't going to wait for you. So if you look at your watch and it's a quarter to six and you haven't gotten back, have a nice night. We'll catch you later. What happened there? I set some clear boundaries, right? I set some very clear boundaries. I also squashed any sort of expectations. Meaning after I told them that, hey, after a quarter to six, if you're not there, we're out of here. So I'm laying down some, some clear agreements versus expectations. The specifics in clear communication, who, what, when, where, how, possibly a why, if you need that why, sometimes you do. Who, what, when, where, how, and why that reporter's at. For a while, I actually had a, a, a journal printed up, and that was what was printed on every single page. It, it allowed space in there. However it works for you to make sure that you've got clear communication. Last but not least, when it comes to staying sane in this flurry of connections at this time of year, connections via the phone, connections via Twitter and Skype and email and Facebook and pin interest and holiday gatherings and all the other social events, connections. I'm going to invite you to consider, and I realize we're in the midst of it right now, but I'm going to invite you to consider less is more. Years ago, I stopped hosting big, massive parties, so one-size-fits-all holiday gatherings, where I'd have upwards to two to 300 people coming over for an evening. It was always a blast. It was a lot of fun. But what I noticed is, is I never really got quality time with anybody. Unless I had the money to have it catered, I'm busy running around making sure there's enough food out and ice and cleaning up and making sure that cupcake that got dropped on the couch doesn't get squished into the rest of the couch and all of that other stuff. I really didn't have a chance to join myself. And when it was all over, by the time the evening was over, I was so exhausted. And I might have been able to share a wonderful hug or a, a kiss with someone who I could focus on for a couple of minutes. But I just realized this isn't working for me. So for what it's worth to stay a little more sane, what do you value more, quality or quantity? Quality or quantity, which do you value more? Is it more rewarding for you to have a whole bunch of people show up and have a huge party going on? Or do you value that ability to have a, a smaller gathering where you actually can have the time to chat with people and catch up with them? Your call. I'm going to suggest that you play with less is more on many fronts this year and going forward. I'm going to close with our call to action. Be gentle and compassionate as you communicate with folks because Everybody is at a high stress level at this time of year. Gentle and compassionate. And I'm going to suggest that part of being gentle is knowing your own limits, knowing your own boundaries. Set them and stick to them. 
All right, that's it. Lecture time is done. Time to get into our conference call classroom. And in class, we're going to explore more the information that you just experienced in this lecture. To register for the series, click the links at the bottom of the page. Follow the registration instructions to join us for our weekly, live, lively conference call classroom. Get ready for some wonderful laughs, some ahas, all from the comfort of your phone. I look forward to meeting you and to being of service. And now, time for class. Just a quick round of introductions. My name is Marsha. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I am looking forward to this Blues Busters class. It's going to be a great one. This is Bridget from Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I always enjoy these, this series. Rick? I was on the Blues Busters last year. I really enjoyed myself, had a good time, and learned a lot. I feel like I'm a Blues Buster alumni. I signed up to teach a, a class or two. Excellent. This is Cheryl from the Big Island of Hawaii. I am ready to get going on this series. I came last year and enjoyed it thoroughly, so I'm looking forward to lots of new insights in this year. Excellent. Welcome back. Hi, everybody. This is David H. Paul. I'm from St. Cloud, Minnesota. And uh, I've been around this block once or twice or so. <laughs> just really glad to be here amongst the folks that get my humor. <laughs> I don't know if you remember back in the day, at least in my high school, for science, we always had a lecture. And then we had a lab where we had to go in and actually get our hands dirty. We're about to get our hands dirty. And tonight I'm delighted to share with you that I have someone to get my hands dirty with. <laughs> we have a co-pilot tonight. Cheryl has been part of the Seoul University family for some time, and she decided that she'd like to lend a hand and add her two cents worth into tonight's discussion. So I want to say thank you, Cheryl, and I look forward to learning from you tonight as well. Thank you for having me help you along with this. We'll what popped what out for you in tonight's lecture, Cheryl? What rang your bell and you went, mm-hmm, yep. Got to do that. <laughs> the biggest thing, it reminded me of a story that happened to us the first week that we started taking Pay Me What I'm Worth. We just got walloped with expectations, assuming things, needing to make boundaries, and making agreements. It was funny because I think it was the first class that we had with Pay Me What I'm Worth. and Rick had seen three kids at the health food store. They were homeless kids, I'm saying. One was 18 and the other two were in their 20s. But they were homeless, they didn't have food, and one of them had hurt his hand trying to get coconuts and burned it so bad that it, dipped, it was raw and it was inflamed and it was getting pretty bad and they didn't know how to take care of it. So Rick saw these guys and he invited them home with him. 
and after we discussed it, but it was only a few days, and we realized that we had expectations, and we had assumed certain things. Like, we had assumed that by putting a roof over these kids' heads and feeding them, that possibly they may help us in their stay around our place. And it wasn't, not in the least bit. And we definitely could have used the help. We asked them, but it wasn't on their agenda. Our expectations slapped us in the face. And for assuming anything with these kids, it just didn't go anywhere. They stayed with us for three weeks. And then they, yeah, they had an appointment and they were supposed to be over on Kauai for a certain date. So I made sure that they had the money, that they had everything ready so that they could go because we were just stressing ourselves out. And because of thinking, having these expectations, and if we had clear communications, the thing just said, it wouldn't have worked out that way. We hadn't set the who, what, when, why, how, where, anything like that. So we were stuck. (laughs) And it really got us into a quagmire. We got stuck with everything that we expected. So we learned with that not to have expectations, not to assume things, to get them all clear and right out there in front so that you can relieve the stress and you don't have a bunch of miscommunications and understanding because it really sent us for a loop for three weeks there. (laughs) That's what popped out. It reminded me so much how important not to have expectations and not to assume things. Oh, I don't think anybody is listening in ever had something like that happen where they just assumed common sense would kick in and people would act civilly and and compassionate. I don't think anybody but you, Cheryl. We certainly felt alone and pretty stupid. We learned. It was a big lesson for us. Anybody else have horror stories to share? I don't know if you call mine a horror story. I just really remember, I think for most of my life, I always thought we should have expectations, grand expectations. Good grief, what's wrong with the grand expectation? And and then it wasn't until I got into Pay Me What I'm Worth that I really took more than a surface look at that whole concept and realized, yeah, how many times have I expected something and then when it didn't happen, my heart felt broken. <laughs> oh, yeah. Expectations. This is Brigetta. I want to tell you about I have a, have a sister-in-law on my husband's side that I felt was almost like a sister to me. She was actually a friend and a sister to me for many years. And a couple of years back, I was sick for about eight weeks with a viral infection, a bacterial infection. And I was not getting any better. I, at times I wanted to die. I just didn't feel that good. She was talking to me on the phone and she said, would you like for me to come up and spend some time with you and help you? 
I said, that would be great. Okay, I made a mistake. She came up and I offered to pay her way up because I felt like that she didn't really have enough money to do all this. She took a U-Haul. I didn't know she was going to take a U-Haul. She came up with full U-Haul. And I realized as soon as she got here that she expected to move in. She had it full of stuff. She filled up my carport and my storage. Then shortly after she got here, she was using my car. She had no vehicle. I could not drive that eight weeks. And I didn't mind her using my car to run errands and go to her church and, and do things like that. Go. I found out she was going to the chiropractor three days a week. She was not able to use a vacuum cleaner or do things like that. She took over my living room. I did not have a spare bedroom. She opened up the couch. I could not even get to my front door. And this went on for about three weeks. I got pretty quick. I told her, and she wanted to go back and visit her family for Thanksgiving that year. And wanted to drive my car and me go with her. I said, I don't really want to go that far in my car. I said, I will pay your way back. And I said, um, I appreciate you coming and helping me and I'll pay your way back. And I said, and I, I appreciate everything. And just let me know what day you want to go. And she got mad, has not spoke to me since. I tried to talk to her on the phone several times, sent her emails, told her I didn't have any hard feelings against her, but it has not happened. Now, I had an expectation, which I should not have had, right? Wow. I don't think anybody, that that's, <laughs> if somebody showed up at my door with a U-Haul, it's like, what the hell are you doing with that? <laughs> I probably would say something similar to that right now. I would <laughs> Hey, look, there's something wrong with this picture. <laughs> yeah. Are you having a yard sale? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> she knew what she was doing. Her family had deserted her. And I was renting one of my apartment. I have an apartment that my mom used to use. And I was renting that out. And she wanted me to get my renter out and let her stay there. But that didn't end with it. She wanted so much money a week to help me, and she was not in any shape to even help me. So I ended up spending over $1,000 that month just for her helping me and getting her up here and back, and I bought all the groceries and furnished my car, and it was more than an expectation. I got hoodooed or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> that was a $1,000 lesson, yeah? Is that was a lesson. I did not get mad at her. Is she's the one that got mad at me? Now I have that's a different subject, I know, but I have trouble releasing that. Sure. But that's my that was my expectation. <laughs> oh no kidding. I'm curious, how does the months of November, December, and January Short circuit communication skills. Something seems to happen where I get short circuited. Maybe I make assumptions. Maybe I'm just having onset Alzheimer's. I don't know. Does anybody else experience that their communication skills during the November, December, January seem to get a little muddy? Yep. 
just honestly, I have things on my mind, and I will be typing something that I had on my mind previously, and then I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) There's just so much busyness going on around you, and even in the media, and just everybody's in a hustle and a bustle during those months. And there's more activity taking place because there's more needs out there too. So all the the charitable groups are getting together. <laughs> there's just a lot of hustle and bustle going on during those months. You can go crazy. No kidding. Yeah. Cheryl, do you remember when we dove into that difference between expectations and agreements, did you remember when we, I think it was chapter eight performance-based contracts where we started really dissecting what's the difference between expectations and agreements. Do you remember that discussion? Yeah, because I really needed to learn the, expectation part of it (laughs) that (laughs) expectations were basically unsaid things that we just picked out of the air and decided upon ourselves that we expected of people and then the agreements were things that were written down more that we made definite do you have a tradition remember how we talked about traditions in a prior class is there been family traditions where people are expected to bring the green bean casserole with the crunchy onions on top and one person's supposed to bring the candied yams and and then they don't and then there's, there's hell to pay? We hardly have any holiday celebrations or anything anymore. So I've pretty much dropped all of those. I know giving my daughter over and I hadn't really set anything for her to bring so I had absolutely no expectations if she would bring something that was fine and if not I had everything else and we would do it that so it really worked out good not having any expectations that's for sure that's a good way to go is anybody else I'm just curious has there been a holiday where you just assumed you had the expectation that because they've done it and they've done it before and it seems to be fairly consistent. And then that particular year with no warning, something changed and it made everything go perfluy. I think a classic example of this, especially after a person gets married, is establishing that holiday who goes where routine. Anybody encounter a situation where you got your dates mixed up and everybody started getting all bent out of shape? Not that I know of. First four years of my marriage. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, it started the day before Thanksgiving because the day before Thanksgiving was one of the Thanksgivings. And of course, the day of Thanksgiving was a Thanksgiving. And by my gosh, by the time we got to New Year's, it was like, it was just a stress ball every year. And remembering what we decided on and who could be there and who couldn't and why. And then the mother, and then now the mother-in-law is calling. Who's all coming from your, I I don't know. (laughs) We had this all worked out on Thanksgiving. (laughs) And now I need my seating chart. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> Good Lord, just yeah, my. <laughs> so did you end up hiring a project manager? How did you solve the thing? It was a really cool suggestion in tonight's lesson that I'd actually implemented, and it was the who, what, when, where, why. <laughs> when somebody would tell me, I would, oh, get, get out the holiday notebook and write this down in that spot. Every time somebody in the family would say, hey, I'm going to be there at this time. Perfect, gotcha. Write it down. <laughs> and then when the mother-in-law would call, it would out the notebook. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just, it was absolute chaos. Just try to count on my own memory. Forget. That was back in the day before you had seven email accounts, two Twitter accounts, nine Facebook places, uh, it, blah, 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 blah. Seriously, how many of you have gotten to a point where you're seriously considering cleaning house? Do you really need that many emails? Do you really need the Facebook account? Do you need the Twitter? Do you need the Pinterest? Do you need the Reddit? Do you need... Instagram. I mean, my God, how many different ways are we going to communicate with each other? Oh, I, I, it's funny because I remember when I first started network marketing, it was, gosh, every site that you could get into was a big deal. So you started an account at every site. I must have an account at every site. And I can tell you some of those accounts, I haven't been there for years. There's no way you can keep up with all that. No, no way, and keep your sanity. I don't care what anybody says. My no. eldest sister tells me that she has to be on Facebook because that's the only way she can keep up with the grandkids because all the grandkids prefer to keep up via Facebook, even though she'd <laughs> rather not be on Facebook. So if you get a message on Facebook and you're not really a Facebook person and somebody goes, didn't you get my message on Facebook? No, I, I guess I need to plug my computer into the back of my head. <laughs> And then there's this whole thing around, ever since I started the Holiday Bluesbusters series, literally nine years ago now, things have morphed, and now everything is text. Everybody, oh, text me this. Anybody else deal with this, oh, text me this mentality? I got invited out for coffee on Facebook Messenger on Friday. That blew my freaking mind. It wasn't just a talk. It wasn't a phone call. It was Facebook Messenger. Wow. That just really blew my mind. Because this is a person who's local to me. They they had my phone number. So now we got to keep track of what? I, I chuckle because one of my most dearest teachers does not own a phone will not ever own a phone, does not even remotely think computers are helpful, obviously doesn't own a computer. So unless you're in the room talking with her or you're sending her a good old-fashioned postal letter, that's the only way that she communicates. And the serenity about her is note to self. I'm out of curiosity, Cheryl, as you think about over the years, how you have learned possibly the hard way, especially from your initial story about inviting some people back. How's your boundary setting skills coming along? What little tips have you incorporated in daily life that help you create some really clear boundaries that also help you clearly communicate your needs and your wants. 
I guess I would say that I've incorporated pretty much the who, what, when, where, how, and all that good stuff because it cuts to the chase. It, you have everything right there, and it tells you exactly what you need to do at what time. I've recently got a new job, and the hours aren't always the same. The person will have a doctor appointment on a certain day and I'll have to go at a different time. So before I leave, every time, I will ask all of those questions and make sure I have it all straight so that I know what I'm doing the next time I come, I know where I'm going and at what time, and it really relieves stress around the whole thing. That's my biggest tip is to get everything figured out to the T. <laughs> Now, has that always been the case, or was that something you realized you just got to start doing? Without having expectations, I go with the flow, and whatever works is good with me, but with other people, setting the boundaries with them, because they don't always, I have found, especially recently, just because they will say that they're going to do something at a certain time doesn't exactly mean that they will unfortunately but as long oh, as that I never can... happens in the holidays what are you talking about Cheryl <laughs> no. like yesterday someone was supposed to come over at 10 30 in the morning and they got here a little after two. Oh, island time we're on island yeah. time <laughs> island time yeah that is it's interesting you bring that up because something we've not talked about in past classes when it comes to clear communications all of you come from different cultures, don't you? Marcia, I know that your stories about the many different cultures that you've lived in, they each have their own unique way of communicating, don't they? Absolutely. Oh, yes. What threw you for a loop there for a while when it came to readjusting from one culture to the next? I think my biggest readjustment was when we arrived here in the United States and while we were on the boat coming over, I really didn't know that we were going to be living in another country. And my mom is trying to teach me to read and do everything in English. <laughs> I'm only in kindergarten. I don't know. Why do I have to do that? When we arrived in the United States, really the kids and I, that my brothers and sisters and I, we did not realize that we were really going to be staying in another country and going to school and having to adjust when I was speaking Japanese all the time and having to adjust and speak English. That didn't happen right away. My brothers and sisters and I, we spent a couple of more months speaking Japanese. <laughs> started getting acclimated to English. And all our new friends, they were speaking English, and they thought we were strange because we were speaking Japanese. And th there was just so much that was going on as far as culture. It was so completely different to me. Yeah. So now we really put things on puree. What happens when you're in a family of blended cultures? <laughs> and you've already got 97 different ways you're communicating with each other, and now there's even the cultural nuance that you've got oh to keep up God. with, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 
the, my dad was is Filipino, and I didn't even notice that the Filipino part of or of the culture until we got to the United States. He had relatives in the United States, and they were spread out all over. But that's when I really noticed the difference. Before, I was just grew up with the Japanese culture, and everything was going fine. There was just a lot of mishmash and mishposh that I got used to seeing the Filipino culture when I got to the United States and I didn't see it when I was in Japan because my dad was speaking Japanese and we were just totally immersed in the Japanese culture. I got to meet my mom's side of the family, English, Irish, very proper, so completely different (laughs) with my Filipino side of the family. Oh, it was, yeah, different. Now you bring up yet another tangent of communications that we really haven't talked about. Body language. (laughs) Yep. Oh, yeah. During the holidays, when we're together with each other, have you ever stopped to just observe a person's body language? One of the more key ingredients to my gatherings when I have a holiday event is I'm always scanning to see how often someone looks like they've checked out. How many times have they looked at their watch? How many times have they inched closer and closer to the exit? Only to have to go get their date or their partner and reel them in one more time. (laughs) So from a communication standpoint, when you're with a friend, with your your partner, and you're ready to go, it's very clear you're ready to go. I'm done. I'm tired. I want to to go home Uh and the person you're with out of curiosity David Brigetta Rick do you ever recall a time where you just totally misread somebody's body language and oh boy here we go (laughs) there are plenty of times I had my own lab working in surgery and everybody wearing the same clothes and it was hard to tell their face was covered up all you could see is their eyes so you had to go more on a not how they stood and more of the tone of voice and how they moved okay there's a lot of times when I've misread Cheryl's body language because I can tell in the morning just by the way she sets something down and by the way she moves her hand while when she sets it down that if it's going to be a bad day for her or a good day for me also, I can just tell by the movement of her hands. That's how subtle body language is. Check this movement out. <laughs> she did not. <laughs> but, yeah, there's been a lot of times where even that I've seen the body language that I normally would think that would be, let's say, negative, And I read it as such. And it, was, and it wasn't that way. Mostly, I find that that I had more issues with reading women's body language because I've usually worked with women. They were my bosses for 30 years, and I found that because I worked with them that I was a little bit more focused on them, but that they weren't as conscious of what they were doing with their arms, hands, legs, and eyes as a guy is. My opinion, like a guy staring at a a girl's cleavage and he knows it and the girl knows it. A lot of times 
they don't know that they're giving you the go-ahead body language. They don't realize it themselves. There again lies another nuance to this whole holiday communications thing. Folks, as we look at the blizzard of different types of communications, body communications, no language, just bodies, eyes, our eyes really do communicate a whole range of emotions, don't they? Absolutely. And now we've become accustomed in our communication skills, a whole world of language exists in emojis. In fact, it seems that the younger you are, the more emojis there are. I, I've had to get a decoder ring out sometimes to read somebody's text because there are so many emojis. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're trying to say here, dear. <laughs> so from tonight's exploration about the blizzard of communications and the call to action is quality versus quantity. I know people... It, it seems to be a high for them that their smartphone is dinging or chirping or bouncing or buzzing or something because they've got every possible notification that they could receive every time there's a new Facebook post or Twitter post or this or that. The damn thing never shuts up and they get off on it. They're like, oh, look how important I am versus quality. I, when I go out, I leave my mobile phone at home. I don't take it with me. It, I, I don't need to be that accessible, especially when I'm going out and spending time with other people. What is it for you during the holidays? Do you err towards the side of quality? Or do you find yourself really enamored with the quantity? I'll start with Cheryl. Cheryl, you can just toss that to anybody else on the call, and we'll just check in with everybody. Quality or quantity, which do you err on the side of? I definitely go to quality. Spending quality time with somebody is much better than just having a whole bunch of people and you don't get very personal. If I spend quality time with somebody, it's a nice sharing time for each of us instead of spreading myself too thin and not having anybody to really spend some good time with. Oh, that never happens. Spreading yourself too thin on the holidays. What are you talking about? <laughs> nah, nah. So I was thinking about what you were saying about communication. And communication, to me, is a very subtle thing. We talk about talking. We talk about body language. But I was thinking, what's the most satisfying communication I've ever had with an individual? No talking. Communication with just our energetic bodies. Like when I go into a room, I don't necessarily look at everyone, see what they're wearing, who's like going toward the door, this, that, or everything. I like to feel it. How do I feel when I get next to this person and drop the, that dress doesn't fit her, too small, or something like that? Because I find that when I can look past the superficial part, that's when I get to the quality of the real person when I look through that. Quality. So when, quality. when you let the judge take a nap, quality reigns supreme. Woohoo! Who are you going to toss the ball to? Oh, Marcia. Ah. 
You know, I love my peace and quiet. <laughs> I am definitely drawn towards quality. I would rather spend one-on-one -on -one time with somebody than have all this hustle and bustle around me and driving me crazy. That, that's why I really cherish having peace and quiet. It's so nice to have peace and quiet. I hear that. I hear that. We have Brigetta, and we have David, who's still playing ball. Who gets the ball next? Let me see. How about Miss Brigetta? Quality is what I want. I don't always get it, but quality is what I want. I don't like to be in a big crowd and everybody just talking to everybody, and I feel left out or something. I'd rather have uh, a few people and spend quality time with them than to have a bunch of people. It's a running score for quality. Are we going to make it unanimous, David H. Paul? I'm a quality person as well. In fact, I would take an hour of light humor over a cup of coffee with a friend from work. I would actually choose two minutes of helping one of my daughters over an hour of coffee and light humor with a, a regular old friend from work the, because the quality for me where i hang my hat in terms of importance of relationships is on four really special people in my life and they're my children and i made a decision a long time ago that they were going to be the focus of how i build relationships and i really like the dividends that's paying <laughs> they like it a lot. <laughs> I hear you. Well, I have evolved to quality. Back in my day, I really got off with quantity. It was a kick for me to put out the word. Party at Saul's place. It was a delight to see my place absolutely overflowing. That, to me, was success. That, to me, said, hey, you've come a long way, kiddo. So, and I was communicating to the world, look at me, by all these people. And to some degree, when I first started getting into social media, oh, my God, got to get the likes, got to get the followers. I paid so much money to have whatever service get out there and pedal my butt all over the place so that I could get my Alexa score up there. I had so many thousands of hits and likes and tweaks and hearts and thumbs ups and blah, 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 blah. And now... I'm no longer on Facebook. Cheryl, I want to thank you for helping co-pilot tonight's rather lively discussion. I appreciate your insight, your wisdom. Thank you so very much for having me. Any quick closing thoughts before we wrap? You did a wonderful job, Cheryl. <laughs> thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks again. We will see you next week for week five of our Holiday Blues Busters adventure. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.